Uh, my name is Scott McRae. I am on the pastoral teaching team at Grace Church on the Mount, and uh, I am honored and privileged to share God's Word with you this morning. Now, I'm especially humbled to be here today because this is the church where my spiritual journey began. My, uh, <clears throat> my grandparents actually started coming to Bethlehem when it was down in Dover in 1947. And so they, they attended here for many years, and they raised my mom and all her siblings here, and my mom raised my sister, my mom and dad uh, raised my sister and myself here. So uh, it's, it's uh, quite humbling to stand up here this morning where I've heard so many sermons uh, being preached. Now, I'm going to tell you, as an eight-year-old, as in a nine-year-old, uh, spiritual growth wasn't really the top thing on my mind. So we used to sit kind of right out there, and uh, I used to look up at these lights. And if you squint just right, you could make the beams touch each other. And so I spent many, many Sunday mornings doing that. So if I see you doing that, I know what's up. You know, with every year that rolls around, I'm reminded of how fast the years are rolling on. You know, quicker and quicker, faster than I imagined. And what I find more interesting is that as the years roll on, some of my memories of things that have happened decades ago, it seems like they just happened yesterday. You know, these things, they don't seem to fade. I had a chance to walk these halls recently, and as I did, a flood of memories came back to me, you know, down in the, down in the preschool room with, with Aunt Erica, who was a Sunday school teacher, and, and just so many memories that, that came back to me. Memories from decades ago seemed like they just happened yesterday. But it's not just memories of church things that I remember. It's memories of other events as well. Things like when I got my first new dirt bike. You know, growing up, uh, I had my fair share of dirt bikes growing up, most of them were real doozies. Um, I would often find them abandoned in the woods, and I'd bring them home, and at least I hope they were abandoned. I'd, I'd, I'd bring them home, um, try to fix them up. They were missing parts here and there, and somehow I'd piece them together and have these things running. Uh, you know, these were things that, bikes that were from the 70s. They were built like army tanks. If you tried to jump uh, if you tried to jump a bike, it was like riding a cinder block. I mean, it was, these things were fun, but they were not comfortable to ride. So, you know, I had my sight set on getting a brand new one. I was happy to have them, but the time was coming. I want to get a new one. And that's what I did. One day it happened. After I graduated from high school, I got myself a job. Money started coming in, and I looked at it and said, you know what? I can afford the payment on a new dirt bike. Not that I would encourage you guys to live paycheck to paycheck and make payments on things, but that's where my mind was at the time. So I went to Slager Cycles over there in Wharton, and I bought myself a brand new 1990 CR125 dirt bike. I love that bike. It just looks great. I just love that bike. Best bike ever. Um, now, Wharton was a great town to grow up in. But I also knew that there were some elements in that town, some seedy individuals who would try to take that if they had the chance. So I had to take some extra precautions to make sure nobody was going to steal my bike. So what I did was I went out to Rickles. You guys remember Rickles? If, yeah, anybody don't remember Rickles, it was before Home Depot and Lowe's. It was kind of the place to go for any hardware stuff. Went to Rickles. I bought a 10-foot chain, a fat chain. And I went home. And I uh, dug a hole in the ground, about three feet deep. I put one end of the chain in there, and I filled it up with cement. 
I figure I'm going to I'm going to tie this uh, tie this bike up. Nobody's taking it. So uh, until that cement hardened, though, I don't know why my parents allowed me to keep that dirt bike in my bedroom. <laughs> so I would bring it up the steps to the house with gas in the tank and everything. It's not like we lived in a house where that would have been normal, but they allowed me to do it. Uh, but after a few days after that concrete set, I was able to keep that bike out back, wrap that chain around the around the frame, lock it up. Nobody was getting that bike. I guarded that bike because it was extremely valuable to me. I'm sure many of us in here, we have stories of things that we have guarded that have been incredibly valuable to you. And this morning, we're going to be looking at something that God tells us needs to be guarded and protected more than anything else in our lives. It's something that reaches into and it affects all the areas of our lives. And how we protect this one thing determines the course of our lives. So before we read this passage this morning, let me set it up for you. This is King Solomon talking to his son. He's giving advice to his son. So we get a sneak peek into a father-son conversation. After a lifetime of experience, King Solomon, the, uh, he had unparalleled wisdom He's offering this advice to his son. And we can trust that that's good advice too, right? I mean, you're not going to give your kids bad advice. This is the cream of the crop advice that he's given his son. And so here's what Solomon tells him, Proverbs 4, 20 to 27. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's body. Above all else, Guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep, keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. So Solomon, he lays it out here for his son. He says, guard your heart above everything else. Guard your heart. So that's what we're going to look at this morning as we get into uh, this message. We're going to look at that. We're going to answer three questions as we do it. What is the heart? Why should you guard it? And how should you guard it? So the first question is, what is the heart? So let's first state the obvious here. This verse is not talking about the heart as the organ that pumps the blood through your body. All right, we're on, all in agreement on that. When the Bible speaks of the heart, it's speaking of of our emotions, of our feelings, but it also takes it a step further. It includes our desires, our deepest moral and spiritual convictions. The heart is talking about what's really deep inside you. It's, it's the core of your being. It's what makes you, you. God tells us to guard our heart above everything else because our heart is the wellspring of life. The NIV says this. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. In other words, it's the source of who you are, of your thoughts, of your actions, of your beliefs, of your emotions. In the Hebrew, it's the word lave, and it literally means the inner man. God describes our hearts like a stream of water that's continually flowing out of us, and it affects and it impacts every area of our life. The stream impacts our life, it impacts the lives of others around us, and it impacts our relationship with God. And the fact that the Bible instructs us to guard it and keep it, it means that it's valuable, right? So we guard things that are valuable. Think back to my dirt bike story. 
that was valuable, so I guarded it. But you know what? The, the empty bag of potato chips and the soda can on the floor of my truck is not valuable. That stuff is not guarded. If you want that, you can have it. You'd be doing me a favor by taking it. See, the thing is, we, we only guard things that are valuable, and our hearts are valuable. Now, there are verses that tell us about how the fall, that's how sin has affected us at the deepest level. Our mind, our emotions, our desires have been tainted by sin. So Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? See, that's the, the fallen nature of our hearts. But when we put our faith in Jesus and when we're born again, we're made new creations. We get a new heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We are made new creations, including our hearts. And the heart of the believer is spoken of in positive ways. Romans 5.5 says, For we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Romans 10.10, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Back in the 1600s, a man named John Flavel wrote about 100 pages on Proverbs 4.23. And he explained the heart like this. He said the heart is like a musical instrument. It could be exactly in tune one day, but something small can knock it out of tune. If you hang it on the wall for a couple days or if it gets bumped the wrong way, it can go out of tune. So God's telling us, guard our hearts continually. It's not, it's not a one-time thing where once it gets in tune, you just set it and forget it. You have to guard it continually. But why? So far, we've looked at what the heart is. Next question, why should we guard it? The heart is the navigational equipment of your life. How well you guard your heart is going to determine if you flounder or if you flourish in life. Do you know uh, people, maybe even Christians, who are constantly having problems? You know, one after another, they seem to be stuck in life. They're in the same place. They're always struggling with the same things, the same issues that they struggled with a decade ago. Most often, it's because they don't guard their hearts. Our hearts, they're being bombarded by constant attacks, right? Out there in the world, we're being bombarded with these things, things that come in. They try to take root in our heart, and that's, that's what they do. They take root in our heart. You have things like unforgiveness, fear, jealousy, anger, distrust, you know, inflated egos, worry, right? These things can come in, and they can take root in your heart. The list goes on and on. With your heart under constant attack, you need to guard it against these things because these things can affect you, your relationship with God, and your relationship with others. So let's talk about you for a minute. You have to live with you. Every thought, every action, every desire you always have is with you. The conversations that you have in your mind when you lay down at night and those thoughts are, are running over and over in your mind. You know, or, or those disturbing images that you have in your mind that are running over and over like a loop on a movie reel. When your emotions are jumping all over the place, you own that. You know, 
You are the sole person who has to carry the brunt of all of that if you fail to guard your heart. But you're also the person who could have the benefit of peace and allow your mind and emotions to be at total rest. You can be someone who has a clear conscience and and, and contentment because you make the effort to guard your heart from attacks. The state of your emotional life and and your spiritual health are directly related to how well you guard your heart. (coughs) Now, other people are also affected by how well you guard your heart. This one's obvious, so I don't have to mention it, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Suppose a parent, a mother, suppose uh, she's a very negative, critical person. You know, her first reaction to everything is to criticize and pick out something that's wrong with that. That is going to rub off onto her children. And when they grow up, they're going to be affected by that as well and take that attitude with them. Or father. Suppose a father has an anger problem and uh, he flies off the handle at all these, uh, every little thing. And his child not only feels the immediate impacts of that, but as that child grows up and, and watches that modeled in his home, his child is going to take that same anger with him. He's going to adopt that same anger into his own life. Your life flows out of your heart like a stream of water, and it branches out into every aspect of your life. It reaches into the lives of your children, of your spouses, of your coworkers, into every aspect of your life. Now, you can have absolute perfect knowledge of the Bible. You can be able to quote verse after verse in the Bible. But if there's pride or bitterness or anger in your heart, it's going to flow out to others. You know, a, a contaminated well, it produces sickness. But a clean well, a clean well produces life. Clean wells produce water that is pure and clear and contributes to the health, health of those who drink it. If you have love for Jesus... And there's this, this virtue and this kindness and integrity in your heart. That also will flow out into the lives of others and make a positive difference in their lives. Now, I read this quote. I thought it was well said. It says, live in such a way that those who know you but don't know God come to know God because they know you. Remember, the, to the unbeliever in your life, you are the end result of what it looks like to know God. How well you guard your heart is going to influence their perception of God. Now, you should also guard your heart because God cares about the condition of your heart. Your heart condition will determine how close of a relationship you have with God. God is looking to use and he's looking to bless people who guard their hearts. Second Chronicles 16, 9 The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Psalm 37, 4, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God's going to give you the desires of your heart because when your heart is guarded, it's aligned with him and it's aligned with his will and he will give you the desires of your heart. On the flip side, God will also deny people blessings if they fail Uh, to guard their heart, and they allow sin into their hearts, into their lives. King David wrote this in Psalm 66, 18, if I have harbored sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. God's blessing is going to be on those who guard their heart. The heart will determine if you have God's blessing or if you do not have God's blessing. It will determine if you have peace or if you have turmoil inside of you. 
We guard our hearts because it reaches into every aspect and every relationship into our lives, including God. Now, we've looked at two things. We looked at what the heart is. We looked at why we should guard it. Now, the third, third question we'll look at, how should you guard your heart? The first thing we need to do is just be aware that the heart exists. You know, there are uh, um, things out there that want to come in and they want to contaminate your heart. If you're not aware that your heart exists, they're going to get access to it. So be aware that it exists. Each and every time we encounter a new situation, our hearts are reacting. It is a constant flow. It's a continual mission to guard our hearts. It's a continual unwavering mission to guard our hearts. Take the time to guard your heart. Has anything crept in there that has taken root? Has anything unhealthy made its home in your heart that you now have to evict? For example, unforgiveness. When I think of guarding my heart and, and, and you know, people guarding their hearts, the, the main thing that comes to mind that, that we need to guard our hearts from is unforgiveness because it can be so, so destructive in a person's life. See, unforgiveness, it, it has deep roots. It gets its roots into your heart. It could hold on, right? And unforgiveness is uh, it's something else. It's, it's what I call unforgiveness is sticky, because other unforgiveness can stick to it very well. And so over time, you build up these, these layers of unforgiveness in, in your life. Once you have unforgiveness in your heart, it's easy to have uh, other unforgiveness, and therefore it changes your personality. It'll change your view of the world. And let's be honest here. When somebody offends you, when somebody sins against you, it's not easy to forgive them. You know, we, we may think that it should be easy, but it's not. And here's the reason why. When somebody offends you, on some level, they stole something from you. It doesn't have to be a physical item that they stole, but when someone sins against you, on some level, they stole something from you. Maybe, maybe when someone belittles you in front of other people, they stole your dignity. You know, maybe someone stole your trust. You gave them information or, or you gave them your love and they betrayed you. They stole your trust. Maybe it was a parent who abandoned you when you were a child and they robbed you of the innocence of childhood. Whatever the offense, don't let unforgiveness take root in your heart. It has to get out of there. Start by identifying who sinned against you. Next step, identify what they stole. When you get that, you have to make the determined effort to forgive them for that. Get the unforgiveness out of there. Now let's walk through the rest of the passage here in Proverbs and, and see some other ways that Solomon tells to guard our heart. Solomon says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Solomon tells his son, listen, right? We guard with our ears. What are you listening to? What kind of music are you listening to? Does it bring up anger when you listen to it? Does it bring up depression when you listen to it? Really, really listen to the lyrics. I, you know, I have to be honest. Some of the music, some of the songs I listen to, I liked the tune, and for a long time, I became so comfortable with the song. And then one day, I finally listen to the lyrics. I said, whoa, probably shouldn't be feeding my mind with that. Well, what about other people? What are other people feeding into you? You know, maybe gossip. Are you, are you listening to gossip? Does, when you do that, does it bring up certain emotions with you? 
They're conversations, uh, even with yourself. You know, these, these imaginary conversations that people have. Are you listening to yourself having these imaginary conversations? You guys know what I'm talking about? Where somebody offends you, and then you go through a whole scenario in your head of what you would say to that person, right? And then, and then you know, you, you finally get to that zinger. And there's always other people around to hear it. But, and your emotions get all worked up. But the truth of the matter is, it never happened, right? It's an imaginary conversation. Pay attention to what you listen to. Guard your ears. Solomon goes on. He says, put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. What comes out of your mouth? You know, Jesus said in Luke 6.45 that what we speak reflects what's in our heart. He said, a good man bring, brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings the evil out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. If you find yourself gossiping, making fun of others, putting them down, ask yourself, what's behind that? Right? We often, we often uh, put other people down to make ourselves look better. What's behind that? You know, someone cuts, someone cuts you off in traffic, especially here in New Jersey, and you open your mouth and you bless them. <laughs> right? Where did that come from? Has anger taken root in your heart? When you talk, do you find yourself using language that's going to make a sailor blush? You know, when, when someone curses, it usually means that they feel inferior. Is, is that what's going on there? I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm saying this is the kind of filter you have to have when you're guarding your heart. And Solomon goes on and he says, son, to his son, he said, he said, let your eyes look straight. Fix your gaze directly before you. What about your eyes? What are you looking at? What kind of, what kind of websites are you looking at? Or movies or, or TV? What has become acceptable to look at in your life that if you take a step back and you say, all right, I probably shouldn't be looking at that. There's so many temptations out there. Keep your eyes straight. That's what he's saying. Keep your eyes straight with, like a horse with blinders on. Don't get tempted and pulled off track because it takes a long time to get back on track. Just stay on track in the first place. Make, make the choice to look at God's handiwork all around you. Um, at Grace, one of my responsibilities is I oversee the small group ministry over at Grace. And uh, this past year, we had a group that was a photography group. And, and that was the whole point of, of his, uh, his group. Tom's group was, was with the intention of going out there, looking in the world, and seeing God's handiwork. And as I talked to Tom, kind of getting the idea about this group going, I went out that following week and uh, decided I'm going to take some time also to see God's handiwork. One of the things I remember very clearly is uh, we live out on a farm, and I went into the barn. I closed the door behind me, and it was pitch black in the barn. And, and I turned around, except for one wall. There was one wall where the sun was com coming through it because boar bees made thousands of holes in that wall. It was the coolest thing to see that. And, uh, you know, you just take, take a minute and say, God, you know, even thank you for making the Borbies. I don't know what their purpose is, but, you know, thank you for making them because that's pretty beautiful right there. And here's the thing. You don't have to be in a photography group, as I just said, to do that. Make the conscious and deliberate effort to go out to the world and to fix your gaze on things that God wants you to look at. 
Lastly, Solomon says, he says, make level paths for your feet and take only the ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Where do you go? Solomon warns his son, he says, stay on the path. You know, I, I used to know a guy who was struggling to get his life right. He was a Christian, but he, he was struggling to get his life right. Well, every Friday night, he's going to a nightclub. And he's getting drunk and he's getting in a fight every Friday night. His feet were taking him there to that nightclub. Keep your feet from evil. As we wrap up, I want you to take a look at the events of your life. Maybe over the past year, how well did you do guarding your heart? Is there anything that has gotten in there that needs to be removed and needs to have the conscious, deliberate effort to be removed? I want to challenge you to do that. Do whatever it takes to guard your heart. And guarding your heart is going to take work. No one ever said it's going to be easy. It's not going to be natural. It's going to, be, it's going to take work. But you need to ask God's help with this. God's going to help you with it. But you also have to do your part. You can't just say, well, I really want to do that, so, so I guess I'll give in. You know, guarding our hearts, it's a joint effort between us and God. He wants you to do it, and he's going to help you do it. It's a determined effort. Parents, if you saw that your kids were in danger and the danger was coming towards them, how far would you go to protect your children? How far would you go to guard them? God's saying, even more than that, we're supposed to guard our hearts. And when we do, we're going to have healthy relationships with others and we're going to invite God's blessing into our life. Would you pray with me? Father, we praise you. You are the God of the wind and the rain and the God of sunshine. Father, we praise you in all seasons. We love you. And God, you want us to guard our hearts. You want us to have healthy hearts. God, it's not going to be easy, but we do ask for your help. We ask that you would come alongside of us, of us remind us of, of these things, of when we're looking at stuff or, or, or listening to things that, that we shouldn't be. God, give us the strength to turn from that. Give us the wisdom and the insight to see it. God, help us to become more like you every day because we are choosing to guard our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.